Hello, and welcome to the first pilot episode of the Name TBD podcast. I am one of your hosts, Noobzors, joined by my co-hosts, Null03. Hi there. Sick Robot. Hey, how you guys doing? And Spleenface. Hello, everyone. So we're going to start off with just a round of introductions, giving a bit of detail and, and uh, where we're from and, and how we all met and why, why we're doing this podcast. So I'll start. My, uh, we're, we're all generally from the uh, Toronto area. And uh, Null, Spleen, and I, we, we met from, the, uh, from Queen's University. There was a CDH scene that started there. And uh, we've met, we played in paper at uh, ANC in Toronto. So if anyone wants to come by for CDH nights, those are on Thursdays. But uh, yeah, we're all from the Toronto scene. Um, we play in different areas. I myself play on the Play EDH Discord. Uh, that's over webcam. As well as uh, at my uh, at, at ANC for those games and uh, at Queen's in the Magic Club. What would you know? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm known as Null. Um, I go by Null03 on Reddit and Null04 on Tapto. Um, as as uh, Noobs mentioned, I'm from the Toronto CDH crew. Um, and I also do a lot of playtesting on Playtest of E1 on Tapto. So these days I'm playing um, Teferi as kind of my competitive deck. And otherwise, I'm in the fringes playing Thrasios, Val Smasher, Divergent Control. Um, that's it for me. Sick. Hey guys, I'm Sick Robot on the CDH Discord. Uh, Sick Robot on the subreddit. Um, play a whole bunch of four color Flash Hulk, like the degenerate that I am. Um, <laughs> I also, I also have uh, primers up on tapped out for uh, Varal's Protein Hulk combo and uh, Momer Vig Hackball combo. Uh, so check those out. Um, yeah, just currently, you know, grinding ranked on the CH Discord, getting it up there, putting the decks on the map, hanging out. Oh, yeah, I should also interject that, yeah, so Sick is playing on the, the uh, CDH Discord, and that's a primarily a Trice on Cockatrice, and then uh, the PlayDH Discord is a, uh, it also has a ranked system, but that's that's over webcam. Also, I didn't mention, again, uh, which which decks I'm playing, I mainly play uh, Gitrog, but I also play... Uh, Zer, uh, Shimmer Zer, and a uh, Anafenza stack stack. And uh, back to Spleen. Uh, hi, I'm Spleen. Uh, as mentioned before, I met or Spleen uh, Face. Null. Yeah. Spleen Face, yeah. Uh, I met Noobs and Null uh, at, at school where we played a lot in paper. I also play uh, in Toronto on Thursdays at ANC. And I have played a bit both on uh, Play DH and on competitive edh um but i'm cursed so games never fire when i'm online um <laughs> i play uh kess storm uh and i'm also i've been working on a Muldrotha deck that has seemed to be performing reasonably well but i don't know it's a little bit meme -y. and i also just brew random jank decks every couple weeks or so so my most recent is uh estrid chainmail stacks but Nice. Yeah. Some style points with that deck. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay, so with the goal the goal of this podcast is that we wanted to just provide more um podcasting content in CDH uh 
because a lot of many there's many video creators out there right now um but there's definitely a lack of uh podcasts going on or at least the current podcasts are, are coming out um you know once a month so if we we want to create a podcast that would you know we can discuss things going on uh in the cdh community as well as you know new brews card discussions but then to provide people with more regular content um so the structure of the show is going to be uh we're going to have you know segmented show nothing nothing too original but you know the the segments will be we're going to have a an introduction section then we're going to cover new developments in the community and uh cdh generally then it's going to we're going to be going into topics so we've got topic one through you know however many topics we have laid out for that show and then finally listener questions um okay so on to the specific topics we're going to cover in this episode uh for we're going to in new developments uh we've got some talk about the recent CEH tournament tournament on cockatrice that was that was uh, held for a hundred dollar prize um we're going to talk about the new flash hulk pile that was uh brought up over a reddit post and has spawned quite the new brew and uh we're going to talk about the some guilds of ravnica uh cards that we think are going to make an impact in cdh so let's just jump right into new developments then yeah let's go over the tourney i guess okay make that happen if only if only uh, we had a others. if only we had a nice like intro for like like a nice like segment what is it what are they uh like songs or jingles yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That'll be gotta, get, gotta get a theme music <laughs> yeah, yeah, game yeah. for next time uh, we'd happen. have to have we'd have to have talent for that though yeah so. oh yeah yeah <laughs> oof sore oh, lack severe lack of, of talent yeah. here okay unfortunately. so um, yeah uh yeah, like so. we talked about the like i mentioned there was a uh tournament hosted by uh i sleep too late um where he put up a hundred dollars for a uh, CDH tournament uh, hosted over Cockatrice, and as it turns out, two of our hosts actually made it into the finals of that pod. So why don't you guys talk about the tournament? Yeah, Canada represent. Canada too strong, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, tournament was actually uh, pretty cool in my opinion. Um, I, don't, I don't know about Spleen, but for me, it seemed like it ran pretty smoothly compared to tournaments that have happened in the past um, yeah yeah everything uh, seemed to seem to go pretty well um yeah. rounds were definitely a lot faster there was less waiting around it seemed than maybe some previous ones um, yeah so great job to i sleep too late and all the team that he had working on it yeah hands, hands to him good stuff uh i i i just really appreciate the fact that we didn't have to play much 3dh um <laughs> That was yeah. That was one of my biggest complaints from the last tournament. That pretty much got solved through um, combination of seeding and setting up buys. So yeah. So what did you guys? Uh, what 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 decks did you guys take into that tournament? Uh, so I brought my my four color flashlight pile, um, named definitely not Varals or four color Varals. Basically just. Um, uh, Set it called like Sacrifice Hulk, where you play a bunch of Sacrifice outlets alongside like the Flashlock pile, and then you can use the Sacrifice outlets alongside cards like Pattern of Rebirth or Natural Order to get Hulk directly onto the field and then Sacrifice it and kill people that way. And you're definitely not Varal's pile. What's the standard pile for that? What's the standard win condition there? Uh, so it used to be the good old trusty Mike Ball pile with my Chaos and Walking Ballista, but uh. There's a pile that came up about a month ago 
I've had a bit ago, um, with uh, Malira Silvok Outcast, um, with uh, Safehold Elite, strangely enough, and Blood Artist. So basically how it works is uh, Malira plus Persist Creature, same thing as like, you know, old old Birthing Pod decks and modern or current like company decks where um, whenever you sacrifice a Persist Creature with Malira on the board, it comes back and it comes back without a 1-1, one, one, without a minus 1, minus 1 counter. They can just keep doing it. And when you have a Sacklet and a Blood Artist on the board as well, you just get to ping people to death. And which is uh, so that's with you get a the one it's you can get that all in one pile if you have a sack outlet in play, but with no outlet, you're going to need to get an outlet with your first pile. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. You you, you can do pretty much anything for mm. it. My my card of choice is Body Snatcher, but you can use you know stuff like Karmic Guide, Body Double, pretty much anything that can copy a Hulk that's already in the grave, so you can fit that extra one CMC creature into your pile. Nice, nice. And uh, how did you go, how did you do going through Swiss? Um, I believe I went one and two, might have been two and two. Um, uh, just, you know, wrecked my first pod pretty hard, just went turn three win. Um, I think I dropped a couple of games and then, uh, yeah, one, one in semis to get into the finals pod. Nice, nice. Spleen, what did you take into the tournament? Uh, so I took, uh, Muldrotha, and so that's a deck where you use, uh, Muldrotha to just... Uh, break parity by returning stacks pieces and advantage pieces over and over again uh, or just play Zer's Weirding and then everyone has no idea what to do because that card just makes games absurd. Yeah. Um, and uh, it uses uh, the win condition is to try and get uh, Animate Dead, Phantasmal Image, and Lion's Eye Diamond with Muldrotha and then you can loop that to generate infinite mana, infinite storm, and play any number of permanent cards from your graveyard, uh, which usually translates into a win, either through something like Walking Ballista or trying to find Bitter Ordeal or playing Winds of Rebuke a lot to mill everyone out. Just um, insert insert Wincon here. Yeah, insert Wincon here. Preferably permanent-based because Lion's Eye Diamond does make you discard your hand and Muldrotha only lets you play permanents. But you can find things like Eternal Witness if you absolutely so, have to. So for... Our, our listeners who may be versed in CDH, Muldrotha isn't isn't exactly a deck that comes up very often. It's, it seems to be quite a bit more fringe, even though it's in this tournament it made it to the finals pod, and in the last tournament I believe you made it to the semis? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's definitely uh, an, a weird deck to play, and it f- will struggle. It, it struggles against sort of the stereotypical view of a pod of four you know, really fast combo decks like Thrasios, Timna, Flash, Hulk, or or similar things, or Selvala, because in the early game, it doesn't necessarily have the tools to answer everything. Um, but when there's another sort of slower deck at the table, then it really starts to shine, because if you don't lose in the first few turns, you can start to lay things out, and then going from there, Muldrotha just provides such an incredible amount of mana once you get to six mana and actually cast her hmm. or sorry an incredible amount of advantage so it the game if the game goes long your odds of winning just go up and up and up so yeah i think oh yeah sorry yeah i think uh i think Muldroth is a great a great great example of uh what we like to call parasitic decks um <laughs> yeah not, not not in a bad no, way I, but yeah. just as a, as no, a descriptor <laughs> where um uh a, a parasitic deck uh is really 
the whole point of the deck is that it's not particularly great in every meta, or maybe even a majority of metas, but it is built to do very well in specifically one meta. So, like Muldrotha, there are a lot of parasitic decks. Um, same thing with, like, Nath of the Guilt Leaf, or, like, Marin. Uh, commanders like that, where you're really taking advantage of there being another deck at the table to do some of the dirty work for you, and sort of get the game to go on a bit longer, so that you can just start laying down fat mid-range cards, and just gaining a bunch of advantage. Yeah, so we mentioned, uh, Spleen mentioned uh, Zur's Weirding, and, and I, I spectated, I think, two of the games, I spectated the finals pod, and uh, one of this uh, Spleen semi-game leading right up to that. And Zer's Weirding did quite a lot of work in that semi-game. So just for people who don't know, because that, first of all, Muldrotha being a niche CDH commander, um, and Zer's Weirding being an even more niche card, what exactly does Zer's Weirding do? Uh, okay, so Zer's Weirding is a card that's uh, it's a four-mana enchantment, cast for three and a blue, and it says players play with their hands revealed which already completely reshapes the game, knowing what sort of interaction people have. Um, just, you know, that that amount of information, you know, lets you know when it's safe to try and do things, when it's not safe. And if you see that it's not safe, you might not try, which means everyone could be sitting on their win conditions, stopped by one counterspell, because whoever goes first knows it's not going to get through. Uh, but then the second effect that really, really plays with the game, it says uh, whenever a player would draw a card, instead uh, they reveal it, then any player may pay two life. If they do, you put that card into their graveyard, otherwise they draw the card. So what that means is you can stop your opponents from drawing any relevant cards at the cost of two life a card which in a four player 40 life format is pretty much nothing yeah it seems pretty strong and i'd like to add one more thing um people have already been brewing with the card telepathy which is the first half of Zer's weirding so it kind of from Drotha forms two incredibly important functions one of which is yeah that's true that people already yeah that's true okay the thing with the one thing with telepathy, I'm just gonna yeah. sneak in one more point here. Um, the one thing with telepathy the effects, I think that uh, a lot of people have realized is that either intentional or not, in a in sort of a fast pod, it can happen where uh, the only thing keeping a fast player from attempting a win is like the threat of a counter spell, and then like you you sometimes it just ends up happening, and this is like pretty much any other card where it's just like. Some of the time, you just reveal everyone's hands, and it's just like, oh, there's no, there's no interaction. I'm just free to combo. Someone yeah. was bluffing it, and you just, you just sort of, you just sort of like remove all possibility of bluffing, mm-hmm. which is really good in some cases, but like really bad in some other cases. But yeah, I mean, like, just I think the the draw denial and the fact that you can break parity on it is just so good anyway. That is probably just like so much that's more worth that's it the absolutely backbreaking part there right you get to see yeah. oh do i really want to let that get rug player draw this demonic tutor you know probably not and, so and a and in a meta full of timnos too just like being able to deny that extra draw and if like you have like any like sort of like incidental life gain it can just be really powerful absolutely so one one more thing i want to just briefly uh, ask you guys about before we move on from this topic is um 
What were the what were some of the decks that you were seeing uh, running through Swiss semis? And then uh, actually, also want to talk about the uh, the finals game, which was which was quite a roller coaster ride. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a game of ping pong. Yeah, yeah. So so before we, before we get to that, well, well, what were you guys seeing in uh, in Swiss? What, what were some of the other decks? Anything stand out? Uh, so I was seeing I was seeing a bit of uh, you know like the the generic like um slow stacks builds um that i mean like my my deck sort of built to take advantage of right like if if you're not interacting with me by turn three um then there's a pretty good chance i can just win the game a couple of those um but in like going through swiss and then getting into semis (laughs) the the sort of difficulty of winning a game really got ratcheted up a couple of notches um i think i I ended up with shaper in my pod non tazri which is like (laughs) Like it's lost a bit of ground, but like it's still an immensely powerful deck, and it was in the hands of a very skilled players. So, mm. I, a bit, I heard there was uh, I heard there was quite a bit of uh, Tassiger running around. Did you guys face any of that? Yeah, um, my not my semifinal pod, but one of my Swiss pods was uh, me, and then uh, a Chainbelt Fairy player, and then actually two Tassiger players. I believe there were three or four oh, out boy. of the thirty odd players in the tournament. That sounds uh, that sounds quite. Is, is that is that is that where you want to be with Muldrotha, or is that is that a challenging pod? Uh, it was definitely where I wanted to be. Although uh, I tried to be aggressive and use Lion's Eye Diamond to get Muldrotha out early, and then Muldrotha died, and then I used Lion's Eye Diamond, um, but I was able to pull it back because the Teferi player had like eight islands, and I managed to land a carpet of flowers, mm-hmm. um, nice. and then going from there i just had so much mana to work with that i was able to uh sort of regain the lost ground that way were these primarily like seasons past control decks or these uh they i believe they were the the seasons past control i think i only saw one uh seasons past and it didn't seem like there was a lot of reanimation going on um i know that uh, they, I believe, they were both on uh, Isochron Scepter mm. into the the Beast Within Reality Shift as their uh, their win condition. Yeah. And noobs, the uh, that season past Tasker style deck is, that's pretty popular in play DH, right? It's there's a the there's the guy who's doing. I think he's right now he's second on play DH. He's been kicking teeth in with his Tasker deck, which is a and it's built in the seasons past style, although he's diverged away from. So this is, I think, Cameron Labmania Cameron's build yeah, that he's popularized. Um, now, personally, I have my my qualms with with that that build specifically. I think that uh, I, I think we all do. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so so, but it's it's certainly one of the most popular Tasker builds. Um, but yeah, he's he's been doing quite well with that, and I think that's just due to what the meta looks like. That is is I wouldn't necessarily call it parasitic. But that kind of control deck does quite well. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so I know in the last tournament, uh, one of the newer decks was was making uh, of at the time was making quite the splash in that tournament with I think three pilots, and that was Goto. Uh, did we see? I don't think there was any Goto in this most recent tournament. If I, if I'm yeah, I, th- I think Goto sort of dropped off the face of the earth a bit. Mm. Um, he I, he was like. One of those flavor of the month commanders, I think that like you just see, 
like rocket onto the scene because it's something new. There's something unique about them. In his case, like the fact that he's a mono red fast combo deck, I think really drew a lot of people in. Um, and also um, there's I, a certain appeal to your commander being a one card combo. Yeah. Um, I think he's just one of those decks and there are so many like him that have sort of gone through the phase of being hyper popular and then Selvala, Sadisi. Yeah. yeah. Just so many of them where it's like, it's it's unique and everything, but uniqueness does not equate to strength. Yeah. So unfortunately enough, I feel like I might be a bit biased because Goto has been my baby for a long time, but <laughs> and I was definitely involved a lot with uh, with brewing the uh, initial uh, competitive version with uh, the few other members from that from the Goto community, the red the mono red server. Um, but I think a lot of the people who play Goto have either you know competitively have either lost flavor or or, or lost uh, interest or they're just not um, as active online anymore because I know one of the primary pilots was I think his name is insert clever phrase here um, yeah and he was he was rocking the uh, he, he was he was he was rocking uh, the trice metagame for a bit but then I don't I think he hasn't been on in like a long time so could also be that just the pilots aren't as active anymore that contributes to it as well but again, also yeah. flavor of the month. So yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a it's a good wrap up of sort of our experiences in the tourney for the most part. Oh well, I, I guess the finals pod. Wanna, the the finals pod is <laughs> the dreaded finals pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I can I can give I can give the wrap up of it quickly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When I go through it. Um, so there's there's a really strong combo in a deck called Razakats, which is a four-color Razakath list with uh, Thrasios the Timon at the helm. Uh, and it's called Entomb plus Reanimate. <laughs> and sometimes when you Entomb a Jin Cataxius and reanimate it on turn two into a pod of three other decks that all run Gilded Drake, <laughs> there are some silly things that can happen, which include... A Jin Cataxius changing control five times in a single game. <laughs> so, if I recall correctly, I think there I think there was five or six players who ended up drawing seven cards off the Jin Cataxius, but only like one or two players who actually ended up discarding seven cards. Yeah. So I drew seven cards twice and never had to discard. Um, <laughs> I believe. Uh, that Astral Codex, who went on to win, uh, drew seven cards twice and discarded once. Um, yeah, I I got my I got my single draw seven, and then I had to discard it the next turn. <laughs> uh, and then the fourth player, whose name I will butcher, uh, uh, that is the we'll just call him Sug. <laughs> Sug, uh, yeah. unfortunately, never got to play with Taxius. Yeah, um, the, I, <laughs> he he tried. He cast a Praetor's Grasp and targeted me, attempting to find my Phantasmal Image to copy a Gilded Drake. But I'd actually drawn the Phantasmal Image, and he wasn't able to find it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I think, I, as a spectator, that that was a really fun game to watch. So I think the vod of that is up somewhere. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah, it was posted we'll, we'll, we'll on the, this on the we'll sub link channel. in the description. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that game if people want to watch it. But yeah, I think that's about that's about the best you could have asked for for a finals. Yeah, it was tournament. really interesting to watch. Okay, yeah, I'm so, a fan of Jin Pong. <laughs> uh, moving on from the uh, CDH tourney, 
um, onto a quite the interesting Reddit post. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this off to Sick Robot because this is his area of expertise. So I'll, I'll just give a, a brief summary. There was a uh, a Reddit post um, on the CDH subreddit about someone asking a for a particular Hulk pile that they called a Four Horseman Hulk pile because they believed it would be similar to the uh, to the the Four Horsemen of of uh, of Legacy fame, I believe. Um, yes, where. It was non-deterministic, so you can't like shortcut it, and then you get you get pinged for slow play. But this this inspired uh, quite the discussion and uh, and some and, and quite the the new brew, new very very interesting brew for uh, kind of a mixture between the breakfast Hulk and the definitely not Veral's deck or four color Flash Hulk, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, uh, take it away, sick. Give us give us the the juicy deets. Yeah, so the the uh, the Flash Hulk line that sort of shook up the entire community um, actually only really happened a week ago. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit Sleepy Jackdaw uh, just off the bat here for uh, coming up with the line. Sleepy Jackdaw on the subreddit and on the Discord, just like insane out of nowhere, uh, posted this line, which pretty much was one of the holy grails that we've been looking for for a while. Um, basically, the 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 reason why this is so good, and I'll go over this uh, right now, is that it is a Flash Hulk pile that wins at instant speed, and you do not need a second Hulk trigger. So you don't need to use like Karma Guide or Body Double or Body Snatcher or any of these things to reanimate the Hulk and get like a two CMC creature. You can just win the game off of a single Hulk trigger. Um, which is pretty much what we've been looking for for a long time now, and it just makes it super, super efficient to win with. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll we can go over this later, and I'll go over the pros and cons of it. But it was just like huge, huge development, and I, and I definitely think that it's we're we're gonna be seeing a lot more of the mm. same Flash Hulk deck okay. in the next little while. I think. Yeah. So so now now that we've given you the teaser, in the in the next in the next topic, we're gonna go into more detail. But just to, to wrap up this uh, new developments section, does anyone want to talk about what they've been working on or or how their decks have been performing in the various metas that everyone's playing in? Sure, I can start things off. Um, these days in paper, I've been working on um, the Thrasios of Alice Smasher Divergent Control deck. Um, this is a brew that Siggy uh, uh, has been working on as well. Uh, and I'd like to showcase it here. So it's a combo deck primarily based around the card Divergent Transformations. Uh, the whole point of the deck is to assemble Notion Thief and Whirlpool Warrior as a disruption package, and that leads into your combo package, which is an Isochron Scepter reversal deck. Um, the deck works because you have your two partner commanders, and in your main deck, you only have the two combo commanders. Um, there are multiple versions of this combo package, so I'm running the Notion Thief Whirlpool Warrior version, but there's also like a Razaketh version. There's also um, like a Labman version. So this deck, I've been having a bit of trouble with my local metagame as a mostly stacks-based, stacks disruption-based metagame, which also includes Spleen's Moldrotha deck. But I hope to keep kind of refining it. Um, it has a lot of potential as a control combo shell. Um, okay, yeah. So I was playing, I've been playing uh, Gitrog on the PlayDH server, there was a bit of a hiatus there for a bit, but uh, I'm back, played some games, lost to uh, 
Una twice, got screwed a bit by turn order, but also just, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, anyone else? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make a comment on Eryxmathes, the jankiest blue-green deck of all time. Um, Eryxmathes is the sea serpent that is a land when he has counters on him and turns into a 12-12. Um, really, the only reason that I'm, I've been bringing him is because uh, he can tap for a blue and a green, and uh, when he's a creature, you can suit him up with a Pemanzora or a Freed from the Real. And make infinite green mana with them, and then just use an outlet for it. So I've been playing them sort of like a hybrid between Silvala and Rashmi, instead of going like control with a combo finish. <laughs> it's I don't think it's a I don't think it's a great deck in any measure, but it's sort of fun to play. So I've just been playing that on practice pods recently on the CDH server. Nice. Um, also, I, I want to mention that I, I've been uh, kind of toying around with uh, Shimmerzer a bit with uh, including more. Uh, stacks pieces so typically shimmerzer is kind of mostly all in combo no no real stacks besides like just the the basic interaction that's all you're about to defend yourself or protect against other combo players but um i've i've been toying around with the idea of graph cage rest in peace Aven mind sensor curse totem uh containment priest just because of the prevalence of hulk razakath and and i think their consistent ability to uh, beat us in speed. So I've been toying around with that, but still don't have a finished build yet. Need to kind of go back to the drawing board on that one, but I look forward to uh, seeing where that where that ends up. Uh, Spleen, anything from you? Uh, yeah, so I've been working on uh, Estrid Chainveil stacks. So uh, Estrid is one of the new cards from Commander 2018, and the key piece is that her uh, plus ability untaps all your enchanted permanents. Uh, which means that she's possibly the most effective uh, stasis commander that there is because uh, it's just so easy to throw a couple enchantments on a land or two or maybe a creature and then play things that stop everyone else from untapping and then continue to untap. Um, and then with a bit of setup, she can also uh, go infinite with the chain veil and mill your deck and put all your enchantments onto the field, which is not too hard to turn into a win. Nice, nice. Um, anyone see any decks uh, that they think of has promise? You know, from uh, either brew discussions or just in games or anything. Uh, I know that a uh, Frozen and Fate on the Discord has been playing around with Najila Hulk recently, um, which is sort of a novel idea. Um, I think that the general concept is being that uh, Najila already has some pretty powerful one-card win conditions. Um, and she's pretty stacks resilient as is. Uh, so just by adding in Flash Hulk, you get access to wins without having to set her up, without having to like cast her or keep her on the board. So it makes you less vulnerable to cards like Fire Covenant or mm. like Toxic Deluge. Um, we'll see how it develops. I think he's still playing around with some different Hulk piles. He's like he's testing with, uh, where he wants to be on that. Um, I think I think it has promise though. So we'll. We'll see how it develops in the next so few months. With with Najila, don't isn't one of the advantages that your win con is uh, is immune to most of the stacks pieces, and then you get to run stuff like Rest in Peace or Graph Cage. So wouldn't Hulk kind of negate that, or is that just not relevant at all? Um, sometimes yes, uh, it's for the stacks your builds. But what you can also do is because you're still not really utilizing artifacts, you still get to run stuff like. Uh, uh, 
thing. Um, null rod. Stony you still silence, get to run stuff yeah. like Stony Silence. Um, you can still run asymmetrical stacks effects, like uh, Ape and Mind Sensor. Mm -hmm. So you, you still you still get to do a lot of the stacking with normal, but you're sort of getting also like the added kick of the potential like turn two win, or like you get to win off of, like an empty board, which Najila doesn't really get to do otherwise. Awesome. Okay, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. But uh, I think this is a good point to move on from the new development section and uh, move on to topic number one. And we're going to do a, a bit of a deep dive on the new Flash Hulk pile. Uh, so I think we'll just pass this off to Sick. Why don't you give us a, a bit of a background on, on how the Flash Hulk, maybe since since it's un, or sorry, how how Hulk has uh, as since his unbanning has kind of evolved as a as an archetype, and then where we are now. Sure. Um, so yeah, once once Hulk got unbanned, the whole format got thrown into disarray. I mean, like Hulk paired with partners, but it just like makes for a really obvious, very powerful deck that you can do a lot with. You can sort of slot in a lot of different engines and stuff. Um, there were a couple of uh, decks that really started at like the unbanning and have continued up to now. Uh, being at like the top of the pile, which would probably be a uh, like Hulk Weaver and Breakfast Hulk. Um, Hulk Weaver being the build that uses Karmic Guide, uh, Sack Outlet, and some combination of a re of another reanimator and a Blood Artist to win. Uh, Breakfast Hulk being the good old Legacy Breakfast combo where you get a, a Cephalid Illusionist and a Nomads Encore, mill your entire library. Uh, Milanark Amoeba, Flashback, Dread Return, do all that fun stuff, um, and they both had their they both had their their benefits. Both had some downsides too. Um, Notably, Breakfast Hulk. You get to run been, stuff like Hermit Druid and Breakfast Hulk, right? That's one of yeah, the main advantages. Yeah, you get to well. you get to race people real hard when you just have a one card win condition that is a two mana creature. That's that's pretty good. Um, it it is probably if you if you include the the uh, Hermit Druid wins it's probably the fastest deck in the format because of that but it also has the problem where it takes up a bunch of slots a bunch of dead cards to actually be able to do that um mm -hmm. whereas when you move over to the hulk weaver side of things it's more you, you have to you run less slots there are fewer dead cards but it doesn't exactly have the same raw power and speed that breakfast hulk has um so that's sort of been the trade-off up until now but now we have this insanely good Hulk pile that is pretty much replacing every breakfast, or rather, um, well, it, it sort of is replacing breakfast Hulk, but it's mostly replacing the Hulk Weaver style decks um, by pretty much just sheer slot efficiency and power. Um, so what, what's so that I'll, combo exactly? I, I think you touched on it briefly earlier, but let's yeah. let's go. So yeah. Um, the combo is is that you're gonna get a sack outlet such as a viscerous here or carrion feeder. You're gonna get a blood artist, and then you're gonna get the cephalid breakfast combo, which is the cephalid illusionist and nomads on core, which uh, can mill your deck on their own. So that's your that's your six mana of creatures that you're getting. And then what you also want to have is you want to have in your library uh, a card like Guy's Blessing or one of the Eldrazi Titans that uh, basically you need a card that when it hits the graveyard for your deck, it'll shuffle your graveyard back in. So you need one of those in your deck, and then you need a Narcomiba in your deck. And uh, basically what you do 
is you mill cards with the Cephalid Illusionist and Nomads Encore until you hit your Narc Amoeba. You bring back your Narc Amoeba. You sacrifice it to your Sacrifice Outlet, which gives you a Blood RS ping. You ping someone. And then you shuffle your graveyard back into your library with your Shuffler. And then you keep doing that until somebody dies. Um, so the the big reason why this is really good is because you can do all of this in instant speed. So you can do this in somebody's end step. Uh, you can do this in your end step. You can do it on somebody's upkeep. You can, you can do all sorts of crazy things at instant speed. But it also fits within a single hook trigger. So is, that's that's one of the main advantages over something like your def, definitely not Veral's deck. Yeah, or or a Hulk Weaver style variant mm-hmm. that um we we could we could already win at instant speed with Protein Hulk. We just couldn't do it in a single Hulk trigger from zero board position. And um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this this version seems uh to be a bit more resilient to grave hate. Is that correct? It is. Um, there is a card called Memories Journey. Uh, and what Memories Journey reads is it's a blue instant. The mana cost doesn't really matter, because I'll get to it later, but um, it reads uh, shuffle up to three target cards from any player's graveyard into the library. Uh, But it has a flashback cost of a single green mana. So typically how you would, you know, how you'd hate out like a breakfast combo deck or something like that is like, say, they try to mill their entire library and go to flashback uh, Dread Return, while in response, you could do something like discard a Fairy Macabre or, you know, activate a Tormod script, do some Deathrite Shaman stuff, anything like that. And you can disrupt them by just exiling something out of the graveyard. And that's historically something that all the Hulk variants have been at least a bit weak to just because you just sort of by virtue of playing Protein Hulk, you need to get stuff into your graveyard to kill people. But now, uh, because of the memories journey and the fact that you're milling your library... If somebody tries to use a single-shot Grave Hate, like Tormod's Crypt or Fairy Macabre, to hit key pieces out of your graveyard, if you have a single green mana up, you can, in response to them doing that, flashback the memory's journey and shuffle in your key pieces to your library and then keep going on top of their Grave Hate card on the stack and kill them through that. So that is that's just super powerful, right? Yeah, certainly. Now I've got a, I've got a few uh, a few a few points that I, I want to bring up and get get some clarification on. So I've been following this this brew like sort of from the periphery. So I'm not super up to date on because this has been evolving pretty quickly and, and lots of lots of pivots and changes, um, or, or not not necessarily huge massive ones, but definitely details that matter. So yeah. one is I know there was talk of. Uh, of cabal therapy to get combo pieces out of your hand, but that's something that you can only do at sorcery speed. So I think there was something you guys were discussing about maybe body snatcher as, as an alternative or that is a specific build. Do you want to elaborate on yeah. that? So uh, me and Siggy uh, lobster, Siggy from the lab maniacs, whatever you want to call them, uh, have been sort of the main people uh, brewing on this currently. And we have a couple of different builds set up. Um, the one of the one of the builds used Cabal Therapy to get like dead combo pieces out of our hand so that we could put them into the graveyard and shuffle them back in and combo anyway. Um, but we found it was a bit clunky because you can only flash back Cabal Therapy at sorcery speed and it requires you to already get your combo out and all of this stuff. It's a bit messy. So um, I sort of pulled a bit from my definitely not for rolls, four color rolls, whatever, uh, my four color flash deck. Uh, and we're currently trying out Body Snatcher, 
which is a four mana creature that uh, reanimates Hulk with a sack outlet. But it also has this incidental trigger that when it enters the battlefield, you get to discard a creature card. Which means that if you have something like your Eldrazi Titan stuck in your hand, you can actually discard it at the same time that you're doing your Hulk pile, uh, shuffle it back in, and then combo through that anyway. And you can do this all at instant speed. So it makes it super, super convenient because it lets you combo at instant speed with no additional mana, and you get to do it with a combo piece in hand. And this is this is only for certain combo pieces, right? Because if yeah, let's say so, you get a so Cephalid Illusionist for... stuck in your hand, it's not gonna. Yeah, but okay. this is for so this is for Narcomiva and the Eldrazi Titan specifically. Mm. But it still gives you a lot more flexibility as to when you can go for the combo and for when you can go for the combo with cards in your hand still. Okay, um, and another thing. So, did your um, I, I can't quite remember. For sure, but well, did your uh, definitely not Veral's deck run uh, Grand Abolisher, and did it have Grand Abolisher lines? Because I know that was something that was great with Breakfast. It did, it struggled to win at uh, instant speed, but at sorcery speed, it was able to find protected piles through Grand Abolisher, meaning that your graveyard hate was very limited to things like Fairy Macabre or a uh, Scavenger Grounds or like land-based interaction. Yeah, so uh, my, my old uh, deck, my old Flashhawk deck, did not have access to Granite Polisher. It's just really hard to fit it in. Um, and it's it's a bit difficult to get it inside of a trigger because there are only so many creatures that you can get. Um, but in this new build, uh, we have a couple of builds floating around, but a couple of them are able to fit the Granite Polisher piles in using Spellseeker. Uh, because Spellseeker can go and get reanimate and basically be a 3 CMC uh, Hulk reanimate inside of the pile. Um, so it, it's definitely, it has the option to be able to run that package now and just pretty much lock out interaction completely once you get a single Hulk trigger. Yeah, this this combo seems to be able to do, to take the best of both of both builds and just unify it into one slim package, which is, which is yeah, that's, amazing. Yeah, that's pretty much the appeal here is that it's it's a really nice hybrid of sort of the the instant speed and the flexibility of the piles that come from Hulk Weaver and DMV um, with the, like, basically the speed and resiliency of the Breakfast Hulk piles um, while also being very, very slot efficient and only having minimal dead cards. Yeah, and I guess also with uh, with Breakfast, it's, it's just a combo that's easier to manually assemble now, right? So if you get pieces stuck in hand, it's it's a, it's easier to cast like a Nomad's Encore or a yeah, sack yeah, outlet. It, it's it's definitely easier than it used to be in old like Hulk Weaver mm. uh, decks where you'd have to like cast like a five mana card out of your hand. Now all of our combo pieces that we would need to cast are all one or two mana, which is significantly easier. Wow. Um. So have you done any playtesting with this new version? Yeah, uh, I've I've gotten. A- few games in so far it's just felt super good um just having having the option now to just pretty much combo through any single piece of interaction is just so powerful and maintaining the ability to combo an instant speed just means that you pretty much are always a threat once you have two mana up Mm. um you just get to pretty much bully the entire table into holding up interaction for you because at some point you can just win at any point in time at the drop of a dime 
Um, one thing, one thing I didn't touch on is uh, stacks. So, Breakfast Hulk um, suffered from uh, from some stacks based interaction. I know they have. Uh, I think they were on Proctor. Or were they on Relic Border as uh, as their removal? I believe they were on Proctor. Okay. Yeah. So um, they were they they had piles through Rule of Law, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, because the the whole thing with uh, the breakfast combo is you have to cast Dread Return as part of the combo. So that means that unless you are getting removal inside of your pile, you can't actually combo through a Rule of Law effect. Hmm. So this this version seems to to suffer less from. Uh from these kinds of, of stacks effects like rule of law. I know, I know DNV didn't really doesn't matter. Rule of law doesn't matter at all. Cause you're not casting anything. Um, and this is the case as well in this new version. So you don't even have to worry about getting removal and pivoting your Hulk pile in that sense. Correct. Yeah. You, you can pretty much just be safe completely by comboing through stuff like Trinosphere rule of law. You, you don't really have to be concerned about those much at all anymore. Um, what stacks effects do you have to worry about? So they're the obvious ones being rest in peace, graph cage, containment priest, and those are all just going to shut you out immediately. Um, yeah, uh, else? pretty much at this point, um, all of the sort of like incidental weaknesses have been optimized out of the piles. Uh, really your best bet to stop Hulk at this point, and really the only things that you should be running as specific hate for us is like, yeah, graph digger's cage, you're looking at rest in peace, cursed totem, containment priest. You really just want that those hate pieces that stick to the board. And Do you guys not? Just, I thought. Don't you guys have a? a can't you find a relic warder or proctor to get out of curse totem? Yeah. So that's actually a good point. Is that in some of the builds we can still win through curse totem on board without any additional setups. Um, so even curse totem is losing is losing its value against Hulk right now. And um, then obviously macabre and uh, all these all these grave hate effects that we're yeah. seeing um, under, in my before. opinion and i think yeah. a lot of people share this in the hulk community it's just not worth it anymore to try to get the hulk player with you know tormod's crypt or fairy macabre it's just it it doesn't do enough enough of the time anymore you just sort of have to dedicate those slots to the permanent based grave hate hmm. um so this is this is, we've mainly, mainly been focusing on uh dedicated hulk decks but uh, I know Razakats. There's a there's a Raza Hulk variant, um, and you're talking about Najila Hulk. So are those are those decks? Do you think looking to adopt this new pile, or are they on their own piles still? Um, I think they might. Uh, the one the one thing is it might be too many slots for them to want it. Uh, but then again, I mean, if you're on Raza Hulk, you're probably on Spellseeker anyway, and Spellseeker meshes really nicely with this pile. Um, so I think it, I think it's going to require some more testing, but uh, it, it definitely has the potential. I mean, the pile is just so efficient; you can pretty much put it into anything. Um, and is this so is we'll, this deck we'll running see. ad nauseum? You can. Uh, it, it can actually definitely run ad nauseum if you uh, if you swap the Eldrazi Titan to a Guy's Blessing. The average converted mana cost of the deck is actually like below one point six. As, just, as a Gitrog player, don't fear the Titan, my friend. <laughs> we, we've got yeah, we've got, man. It's just gonna sometimes you just take thirteen off the top of your library. It's just something that happens, you know. Are the Gitrog's average CMC right now? I think for uh, a lot of the the newer the newer um, 
the newer list, so not not Leftus's list, because I think he's still his 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 list is still up there a bit. But I know my list, I think Kibitzin's list are uh, they're below one point six, like one point five eight with the Titan still. And yep. you know, Ad Nauseam is still one hell of a card. So yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, like we yeah, I think there are some versions of the deck floating around right now that are more akin to breakfast and deck building uh philosophies like adding stuff like uh lion's eye diamond and oriox salvagers combo and adding in uh ad nauseum and rituals for that and i think their average cmc is at like four point or 1.48 which is just like insanely low so yeah so we'll see i mean it's still in testing but it it has a ton of promise okay um does uh does does this deck have any kind of like layered combos or is it is it I know some decks are on like the the tainted uh pact and demonic consultation with lab man have been very popular as a uh additional layered combo but this deck doesn't seem like it'd want to be on that is there any is there any layering going on here uh there's there's not a ton in that sense uh it it's historically been pretty hard and I don't think it's ever going to get better to layer Things like Ice Crown Receptor, Dramatic Reversal, or Tainted Pact and Lab Man into Hulk Piles just because you really, really don't want to be exiling any of your combo pieces, um, mm. even for stuff like this. I mean, I could maybe see some Breakfast Hulk style variant um, being uh, like one of the versions where you play Lab Maniac and then maybe you just put in a consultation as mm. a backup win condition, but it, yeah. it's it's hard to make it fit, and I don't think it's going to be worth it a vast majority of the time. Okay, does anyone else have any uh, any questions for our resident Hulk expert? Uh, I guess, so, you know, you mentioned putting in the, like, the Titan versus the Gaia's Blessing. Uh, if you do go with Gaia's Blessing, I guess as a concession to Ad Nauseam, um has the have people come up with a way it seems like if you draw Gaia's blessing you're in trouble so have people come up with any way of mitigating that if they do want to run Gaia's blessing um so there there are ways to combo with a guy's blessing hand but a lot of the time they end up being uh discarding it and then shuffling it back into your library with the memories journey so you're sort of conceding a bit to the sickle shot gray fate on that front um but I mean, it's it's probably going to be more than worth it if you're on the Agnos plan, just because you you no longer have to worry about hitting that eleven or twelve off the top of your library. Is there any consensus in the community about which direction, or not necessarily consensus, but is there a preferred direction you guys are leaning right now between Guy's Blessing and the Eldrazi Titan? Uh, so I think for the most part, we're looking more at the Eldrazi versions, just because the the combo density is way higher just because you get to play cards like Natural Order, Pattern of Rebirth, uh, and then you get to use those to turn your Sacrifice outlets into live cards as well. Um, I could definitely see a world where the Adnaz version ends up being better. Definitely, there are probably metas out there where it is. But I think overall, the the Sac outlet-based Eldrazi Titan version is shaping up to be a pretty dominant force. Nice. Okay. Null, do you have anything? Any questions? Yeah, yeah, I've got a question. Um, I'm curious to know, um, as you said, like uh, the deck is weak to uh, permanent-based interaction, like Rest in Peace. Uh, are there any decks kind of established already that run the majority of what really hates out the current Hulk deck? I guess by 
extension, I'm kind of asking, like, what are you worried about? Um, good question. Uh, there are a few decks running around right now that um, can give Hulk decks real problems. Um, specifically, consultation decks. Uh, Kess is a big one. Kess sort of just gets to run all of the hate that she wants, and she runs like little pyroclasms to get rid of your dorks to slow you down. She has a bunch of counter magic. Um, there's also stuff like Brea Consultation, who gets to run Grafdigger's Cage and just hate you out. Um, also, decks like uh, Tazri, um, although you don't really want to dilute your combo too much, it definitely has the slots to play something like Containment Priest, maybe a Grafdigger's Cage. It has no problem having those in the deck as extra hate against you. Uh, I know I've seen some tech on the play DH server of people playing NFNs of the foremost as a commander hey. as a sort of anti-Hulk Hulk or anti-Hulk Razaketh deck. Uh, also anti-Gitrog. Also anti-Gitrog. Yeah, that too. Just to have a hate piece in the command zone that you can drop whatever time. Um, I've, I've seen some people recommending Bloodpod as a counter. Uh, I haven't played against it a bunch, but the ones that I have, it just seems like it's a bit too slow. You, you're sort of reliant on getting your eight pieces in your opening hand to slow down the Hulk player. Um, I, I think it's a lot more important to have the permanent-based Hulk mixed with permission. Just having the counter magic is so important in the matchup. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So to that end, would uh, a deck like the more stacksy, mid-rangey uh, Najila decks, could they also work against... Yeah, Najila can also be a huge problem. Uh, Najila with a good counter magic suite and then just all the hate that she can fit can be a huge deal because she's super good at getting through stalled board states. Uh, she just amasses an army on her own and sometimes doesn't even need a win condition card, uh, which can be really powerful in metas where games just grind through a stop. So do you think decks that traditionally haven't been running um, these pieces perhaps do a bit to greed and maybe that the uh that these hulk decks or these more graveyard based decks haven't been as uh prevalent or, or, or as scary should now be considering running more hate so i know that's like i was saying earlier in the episode uh, i've been looking at more hate for my zer deck like rest in peace i know that shuts off yog will but uh you know frankly i'm terrified of uh of hulk and razaketh as it stands so i've been looking at that do you think other decks should be looking at that as well uh, I mean, yes, but it's like super meta dependent, right? Mm -hmm. You're only going to be, you're, it's you, the hate is only going to be as strong as the Hulk presence in your group is. If if nobody's playing Protein Hulk in your group, there's no reason to, right? But I think, I think that uh, you do have to make concessions once there's a Flash Hulk player in the pod because just the pure power of a two mana instant speed combo. Um, is enough to force hate sometimes i think or even just uh maybe not even putting in extra hate pieces but just changing your play patterns around potential turn two wins or just super mana efficient wins uh mm -hmm. you, you just have to be aware of it and make sure that you know what you're getting into when you're tapping it on turn three to play a value engine okay mm -hmm. spell is <laughs> going in all my decks okay so with that, I think we can wrap up this topic and move on to topic number two, which is cards from Guilds of Ravnica that we think are worth talking about for uh, CDH. Maybe not necessarily ones that are just even going to make it into CDH decks, but ones that have been having some buzz in the community and that we wanted to just weigh in on. Okay, so card number one. This one that's everyone's been buzzing about. 
certainly I've been very excited about it to put into my Gitrog and Anafenza deck. And that is uh, Assassin's Trophy. So, uh, guys, what do you think? This card, this card sucks, right? Oh, it's absolutely terrible. Unplayable <laughs> it's, on CDH. It's too restrictive, right? It doesn't kill indestructible yeah, things. And, so. Oh my god, ramping an opponent? <laughs> that's just so bad. <laughs> path of path, path to Exile doesn't see play, so why <laughs> why would this see play, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah what the heck? All seriousness, I mean, just, this card is insane. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, obvious, obviously, it doesn't have the uncounterable clause that Abrupt Decay does, but I mean, just being able to hit anything is so flexible, right? Yeah, I know Abrupt Decay, you know, kind of staple in just about any deck that can run it. It's, you know, it, uncounterable, hitting like almost any permanent, that, that kind of flexibility is is unrivaled. But, you know, as a Gitrog player, we'd only, we it, some, sometimes people run Leyland of the Void, or sometimes there's a Chain Veil, uh, Ch- Ch- Chain Veil Teferi player, and you want to remove their Chain Veil, and then you're... Uh, your your abrupt decay or your natural state isn't looking so clever because it's you know four CMC, but you know, assassin's trophy doesn't have that restriction. It just hits everything. And I think the the ramping one land is more than enough. Like that's that's fine. I'm okay with giving somebody land if I'm kidding. Like their guy's cradle save because it can hit lands too. So say you have a Yisan player or like a Derevi or Hackball player at your table and you just want to get rid of their and a source real quick just mm. getting rid of a guy's cradle is insane i know i know I, i've recently cut uh strip mine from my get rock deck and you know some people are a bit iffy about that but some also agree and i think i think strip mine you know is is its main utility now is just for removing guys cradles and you know with this it's just another just another way to remove guys cradle that you don't really need a uh, a strip mine for you don't need to sacrifice your your colored sources for kind of a mediocre land and removal source for guys cradle i think just and and also as a creature removal like i mentioned i mentioned leyland of the void chain veil um but you know removing four cmc plus commanders removing a sisse removing get rug removing momir vig i know it depends on what meta you're seeing in removes removes the fairy yeah that's not like you're removing like yeah, hitting, hitting it's not like you were running like, heroes downfall. Right? Uh, Elshnorin as well, hitting like a Jinkataxius. It's just yeah. like it's it's just so flexible. The card is just going to get you out of whatever situation that you're stuck in, where you're locked under a single card, right? And I know also you guys you guys are all a bit spoiled because you play uh, you play you're not you're not stuck on just Golgari in uh, with with Gitrog, but um, you know our best removal option creature wise has been. Uh, Dismember that comes in and out of the deck depending on whether or not you need to remove stuff, but yeah, I mean on a on Varals, I've been stuck on Vendetta for the longest time, and this yeah, is just, this is such like a such a great upgrade because like it yes it costs one more mana, but it's just it's an answer to everything that you like, could possibly ask for. There's no you, you had no way Dismember can't hit other Git rocks, so you, you run into uh, you run into quite the challenges. But yeah, it's this card is going to go in every deck I think that can run. Or, or is there is there any reason you wouldn't run it in this in this in a deck that can um i think like maybe if you're just not in uh if you're in a meta that's not really stacks based maybe if if removal isn't actually that valuable to you uh, i think you're probably going to be on something like source of plowshares or abrupt decay before this but i mean any slot uh, after that i could just, see this, this over abrupt so decay good. though right if, if you think about if you're an um 
I guess I guess it depends, right? So if you're if you're in like a blood pod and Yisan meta where the uncounterable clause doesn't really matter and you really need to be able to hit big stuff, I I could definitely see this over abrupt decay. Um, yeah, it just gives you so many options. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's. I think Assassin's Trophy is something that's that's clearly you know everyone's kind of unified on their opinions. But let's let's move on to some other cards where there's been uh, discussions in um, various deck deck servers about um, whether or not they want to include these stuff. So let's talk about uh, Mausoleums of is it Mausoleum Secrets or Mausoleum? Yeah, Mausoleum Secrets. Okay. So it's uh, for one and a black. It has Undergrowth. Search your library for a black card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I know there was... At at instant speed. Correct? At instant speed. So I know there was talk about this on the Gitrog server. I think there was some chatter on the Razaketh server as well. Um, what, what, decks, what, what decks do you guys think that this fits into, if any at all? Uh, well, I think, I think it it it's a bit of a trap. It looks better than it is. Um, I think there are definitely places where it's going to see play, but it's it's a bit too restrictive and sort of that the black card clause there just sort of kills it for a lot of decks. I think um, mm-hmm. you just have so many better options in four color decks and three color decks that it's just never really gonna be the standard that you need to include tutors, I don't think. Um, and even in stuff like Gitrog, I think you are you already have such a density of threats that I don't think this is going to be needed. I think as, as, a, as, a, as a pretty good, uh, pretty uh, long-time Gitrog player, I, I, I'll comment on this a bit. I think that the clause of having a at least one creature in the graveyard defined, because all you need is one, one creature, then you're finding Dakmore or discard outlet. Essentially, by finding Entomb, uh, for if you're trying to find Dakmore or to find Putrid Imp, if you're trying to find a discard outlet. So, you know, if this didn't have, if that would, let's say it was, it was just plus one. So at the very minimum, even if you had no creatures, you had, you could only find, you could find one CMC. I'd run this for sure. But, you know, it's, it's just where it is right now. You know, finding having one creature in the graveyard is actually a pretty steep. Uh, uh, hump to get over. Um, as well, you know the the is, people were talking about you know making Slaughter Pact more viable. You know a black card you can find with nothing in the graveyard. And Gitrog is currently running Slaughter Pact as something you can loop in your cleanup step kills. But even then, you know, <laughs> bad bad Doomblade does not does not make this you know enough to even just at the base level to to make it worth worth looking at in Gitrog. Um, I think in Razakef, you know, I think they're probably in the same boat. They don't want, I mean, they get to find their Entomb or their Reanimate, but they don't really want, they're, they're not going to have, uh, they're going to have issues trying to get that, that one creature in the graveyard. Yeah. Spleen, have you, have you considered it for Moldrotha? Um, not for very long. Uh, <laughs> the honest truth is that there aren't, like, there just aren't that many black cards that, you really want to find. I mean, obviously, Entomb's good in the deck, but, you know, finding Entomb or, or Demonic or Vampiric Tutor doesn't feel awesome unless you're actually taking... I think what what's different about Muldrotha is that you don't... It's not better for these cards to be in the graveyard, right? You, you just have access to them. So Entomb is a good card, but not a fantastic one. 
because you're not cheating things out generally. So then the only really effective cards that you're finding are like Demonic Tutor or, I don't know, maybe Pernicious Deed, but three is certainly not something you can rely on, especially if you need Pernicious Deed and are on the back foot. So the one deck I think we all agree that this, this finds a place mm-hmm. for is in uh, Varals. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just about the only place I can see this. Uh, Varals, A, has a very easy time getting creatures in the graveyard. You can just cast your commander and sacrifice however many you need. And it's sort of just been hurting for more entomb effects for a long time. Uh, it's pretty much the, one of the largest problems with the deck is you just don't have enough ways to have entomb. If I could run 10 entombs, I would. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like having another effective copy of it in the deck just gives it another boost. Um, super nice to have it on the off chance that you need something like you can go get an abrupt decay if you need it, or you can get a slaughter pact. Like mm. it's still totally viable. I mean, yeah, that's that's about the only place I can see it though. Maybe maybe we're looking at like Marin, but even then, um, well, well, I imagine it would be great in Divergent Transformations Control, right? <laughs> oh yeah, obviously. You can go get all your zero. <laughs> well, of course, cards. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As long as both my commanders are in the graveyard, or one of my okay. combo pieces, sure. I guess that's kind of a funny point, though, because if I do have a combo piece in the graveyard, I could just find reanimate. I guess, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weak. Um, it's weak. Okay, so moving there. on to the next card, let's look at. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know what? Mnemonic, mnemonic betrayal. Mnemonic or mnemonic? Mnemonic betrayal. Okay. Numenoc Betrayal. We'll call it that right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I definitely have some thoughts about <laughs> yeah. this card. Uh, as a longtime cast player, uh, I know the value of Yawgmoth's Will. Uh, so what this one says is uh, exile all, all cards from all opponents' graveyards. You may cast those cards this turn, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those cards. At the, end, at the beginning of the next end step, uh, if any of those cards remain exiled return them to their owner's graveyards, and then you exile Mnemonic Betrayal. So it's like Yawgmoth's Will, but you get to play your opponent's graveyard instead of yours, um, with the obvious, uh, the one sort of difference also being you don't get to play lands, but that's not super relevant. But did did um, we also mention the casting cost? It's, it's uh... Oh, sorry, yes. The casting cost is one, a blue, and a black. Mm, so okay. still three CMC, not that much harder to cast than Yawgmoth's Will in most situations especially because a lot of these kinds of decks tend to be heavy on blue um i think that this card is it's cute and it wouldn't be awful but it's not great um the the honest truth is that yogmas will you know sometimes you just sort of top deck it without planning around it and it's great but sometimes you're looking at a sort of setup turn where you know you play a couple rituals and then a tutor and then you play the Yagmas Will, and then you get to replay the Rituals and the Tutor, or something like that. And so just kind of hoping that your opponents have relevant cards in the graveyard uh, is not really where you want to be. I guess, like, looking at the worst-case scenario, you know, if you're if you're playing this just as a Tutor, right? If someone's got a Tutor in the bin, you're trying to find something. That's a 5-CMC Tutor? Like, that's... No, that's just way too much, Yeah. yeah. You I really, actually, I really do run a five that. CMC tutor in my deck, uh, but it's dark petition, so it has a dark ritual stapled to it. 
Yeah. yeah, which is act. It's actually too. Yeah. I would like to make a comment about like a possible direction that you can take this card. And um, there's this this there's this archetype which is control combo, right? Where you're primarily playing control mm -hmm. for the whole game and you're trying to assemble a combo. With mnemonic betrayal, um, you kind of get two things. You kind of get two wins in a, in a deck like that. One, you can play a storm-based control deck that can assemble a storm-based win late game, which storm-based combos are traditionally harder to disrupt than most other combos. And it also does um, it also works great against mm. opposing storm decks in the sense that you can use their storm cards to win the game. Though storm decks traditionally aren't very weak to strategies like mill, so what this does is it lets you play a somewhat mill-like strategy, possibly play into their combos, disrupt them, and win using their cards. And it also, a mill-based strategy works great against uh, decks like Yisan, um, where in, traditionally, you know, Mnemonic Betrayal would be pretty hard to combo if you're just mm. playing with Yisan cards. So I, I see there being this kind of control-based deck that can almost always win off a new a new sorry a mnemonic betrayal <laughs> yeah i'm working on it so i think it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's interesting yeah, it's, it's like a you by by mill you you mean stuff like uh you'd be playing like winds of rebuke and like maybe like thought scours or something like that yeah, just yeah, like yeah. doing like incidental milling yeah. of people's stuff and then using it all later yeah just like well even disruption right like van, you know, yeah, just like anything, anything that coincidentally discard. puts things into the graveyard. <laughs> we're not, we're not game. playing archive trap here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could see something like meltdown being really powerful with this, right? Where like you meltdown yeah. for zero, get a bunch of moxes and mana crypts and whatever, and then you demonic betrayal and get them all back. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a yes on deck, you just, you know, if you yeah, yeah. wipe like well, they're just dead already, right? No, the, the one thing that I think also makes this card a little bit worse is that they were very careful to make it not actually be Grave Hate. Um, yes. Like mm. it, you, like it's, it's, it's definitely so, not Grave Hate. you know, if you're playing against a deck like, like Yisan is, is the example. Yes, you exile their cards. If you don't exile them, they are put back into the graveyard. Uh, if you do exile them, or sorry, if you, don't cast them they're put back into the graveyard if you do cast them i guess they're in play which makes them harder to access uh but there's almost no way to actually use this to exile your opponent's cards so they mm. were they were careful when printing that and i think that that hurts it a little bit because i could see you know running it because sometimes it might make you win as you know the poor man's yagmas will and then sometimes you know when you're really in a bind it's grave hate but since it's not i think that also limits sort of fringe playability. Well, well imagine this kind of scenario. Um, uh, uh, my opponent Razaketh deck attempts to reanimate a Razaketh. You know, my deck's primarily a control deck, so I'm just going to counter the reanimate. Now I have access to both their reanimate that is true. and their Razaketh yeah, in their graveyard. And and you can well, combo, would, you know, Razaketh. It, it would, it would exile like, the There's Razaketh no deck you can't combo with Razaketh. Oh, no, oh true. true. It's just... 
I, I think I think the where this card is going to end up seeing play is like probably as a meta call, right? Like if you're if you're playing in you know, a meta with like a storm bunch of cast years. decks or like Ugh. storm decks and like that, it's just going to be amazing because sit gonna, down at a table with four Yidris players. And... Oh yeah, you're just going to have all these people casting all of their rituals and tutors and trying to get to all their combos, and then you get to play a Yog Will times three, and that's just this, like the best case. This scenario, sounds right? like a. Uh, I mean, sure, best case scenario, but also this sounds like a nightmare pod <laughs> where everyone's got yeah. like you're, you're worried about your own grave. You're trying to set up your own yog like, wills if, if and then also trying to like stop them from table. their own yog will. Their their reverse yeah. yog will. If you're if you're sitting down at like a stacks table or like even like a table of like Hulk like Hulk decks or Razaketh decks, I, I just don't think it holds nearly enough value to be put into a deck, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Even even though you guys, yeah, I think it was Spleen, you mentioned that like you know the land doesn't really matter. I don't know. I think that does that is that is a, a pretty notable downside, right? That's that's like imagine how everyone having a free lotus petal in in their bin, right? If you're if you're yeah. not missing your land play, so yeah, it's 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 not Yog Will, harder to set up, definitely very pod specific, but maybe if you've got the right meta that you could you can play this. Okay. Uh, Moving on, uh, mission briefing. Uh, who wants to who wants to read this one out? Sure. Uh, so mission briefing costs blue blue. It's an instant. It says surveil two, then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn, and if it would be put into your graveyard this turn, then you exile it instead. Uh, what does surveil do again? Let's just surveil is uh, it's scry, but instead of putting them on the body of your library, you can put them into your graveyard instead. Okay, nice. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of good. Uh, this is basically like Snapcaster without a body and with a couple of upsides. Um, An extra blue in the mana cost, that kind of yeah. sucks. I, th- I think I think it's uh, a pretty it's pretty easy to compare, right? Um, you're just like looking at pretty much the same card. Yeah. Um, it's uh, basically you're looking at like the decks that already want to run Snapcaster, which are pretty few and far between, right? Yeah, you're you're looking at like probably your lower color control decks, maybe Rashmi, Baral, um, decks like that. Uh, anything above there, you're probably looking at like playing like Noxious Revival or Regrowth effects over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think there's a consideration in Kess, which doesn't get access to the green effects and can take advantage of the surveil maybe better than most decks. That's also true. Just the yeah. having the having the great fueling power. Um, in casts can be pretty nice. There's, yeah, there's also a consideration in, in divergent control. <laughs> that's also a good one. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, and I think I think I remember hearing on the uh, Zer server about uh, people talking about in if you're trying to shimmer on the shimmer turns, how using your top deck tutor, uh, if you don't have a draw card, mission briefing surveilling into something is, I guess that sort of counts as a draw. So you know, if you if you are trying to assemble uh, Adnaz Angel's Grace in the in the end step, um, you get to save a mana if you mission briefing versus if you were trying to like draw it and then using like a another two CMC spell or something. I guess it's not really saving a mana yeah. in that case. But, you're, but you're yeah, saying, there there was some redundant effects, right? Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't think it's worth playing, but I just wanted to mention that there was some discussion yeah. there. It's. 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 I think it's a pretty marginal card. It. It may see play, uh, in some decks. I, I think you. You have to go through, a few cards before you get to this one, though, right? Like I think Agreed. that's the general consensus. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so those are thoughts on that. Let's talk about Crawl Harpooner. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, one and a green for a creature insect warrior with reach, and it has undergrowth. Um, when Crawl Harpooner enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature with flying you don't control. Crawl Harpooner uh, gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures cards in your graveyard. You may have it fight that creature, and it's a 3-2. So a 3-2 fighter in green. So I know, as I've played Yisan for a while, it seems like a pretty pretty nice slot in there, although there's already some fight creatures that we have, and uh, you know, there's if you're trying to find a creature removal on in your early verses, because the, the standard ones are uh, Somberwald Stag on 5 and Duplicate on 6, but then uh, I know there's some lists that have toyed around with... Um, Treefolk Harbinger on one that finds Lignify to the top of the deck. Um, but this is something that you can pretty much find with a creature tutor, or like let's say you've got a, uh, you know, if you, you only need one creature in the bin, and then this fights this fights a Linvala, which is what Yisan is most terrified of. Also, just straight off the bat, fights an Aven Mind Sensor. That's nice. On uh, what else you got on flying? You've got, if you got one more, if you got a creature in the bin, sorry, if you've got a creature in the bin, uh, then it can fight and kill a Cass or a Zer. So there, there are there are targets, but it is definitely a bit niche in Yisen. So I'm not sure I'd put it in, but it's definitely something that's up there for consideration. Yeah, we're, I think uh, the main application for this card, and <laughs> there aren't a lot, but I think the main applications for this card are going to be in like very, very low-color um, decks that are hurting for a way to get rid of the Lumbala. Um Yeah. Which are pretty much just going to be like Eson, and then this is this is another Veral's tech card. I think it's pretty much where we're at with it. Um, just having having the option to get it, say, off of like a Hulk trigger. Say if you you somehow got Hulk to die, you like necromancied a Hulk, got it to die. You already have Veral's out. You can get a Crawl Harpooner and a Body Snatcher, kill your kill the opponent's Linvala, and then combo anyway. Or like you can you can use your uh, worldly tutors to go find it in response to an even mind sensor or mm. Lidball coming down. Seeing that Veral's Veral's getting all the hot tech this. Uh, oh, he's this getting set. all the hot tech. Oh, he he got three new cards this set. That's that's more than he's got like the past year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all there's to be said about that one. Um, let's talk about Lizov the Malfurious. Uh, Multifarious. Multifarious, sorry, I just messed up the... So, uh, for blue and a black, a legendary creature shapeshifter, uh, when Lazov enters the battlefield, survey one, and he also has X, uh, Lazov uh, becomes a copy of target creature card in your graveyard with convert amount of cost X, except its name is also Lazov. It's legendary in addition to its other types, and it has this ability, and it's a 1-3. Okay, who wants, to, who wants to start us off with this one? Sick. So I think I think I've seen uh, a couple of people around looking at it as like a potential commander for blue black, and I think I've seen some people like working on doomsday piles for it. I don't remember what the actual doomsday piles are, but I'm assuming it's something like mill a lab man into the graveyard, become mm -hmm. a copy of it, do stuff like that. Um, I think I saw some people like using them as like a pile cracker, where like you play them for two. Surveil one, put the card into the grave, and then <laughs> copy it. Um, 
Uh, okay, I'm not yeah. sure that's where its strength lies. I mean, it is it is a 1-3, and that's very relevant, right, in a Timna meta, yeah. where you can just cast a 1-3 on 2 and then block Timnas for days. Uh, that's it's de- that's definitely a relevant thing. Um, but where I think this guy shines is maybe he's good in Hulk Piles. Because really? okay, what yeah. you can do in Hulk Piles is you can, say, copy a reanimate card, or maybe you have a Hulk piece in the graveyard. And what you can do is instead of going through a bunch of Oops! to shuffle it in. You just get Lazav as a 2-CMC card and then copy them with a bit of extra mana. So you are dumping you are dumping quite a bit of mana because most of those reanimate effects yes. are pretty expensive. I'm, I'm not saying he's good, <laughs> but I think that might be his best his best shot at seeing play somewhere. Uh, I, I okay. think I, other people can comment on this, but I think he's uh, his combo potential is probably a bit too limited. I think it requires a, like too many pieces and a bit too much mana to make him work. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I've seen Siggy. I've seen Siggy doing some work on like making resolve work in Hulk files. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see where he gets with it. So, I, I don't think this this even comes close to being one of the top Demir commanders that we would that we would even consider oh. if you're just going straight to Demir. You've got like Sirku, Una, uh, Yuriko, like, eh. Yeah, seems, if you're, if seems you're, below all of those. Probably if you're going to be in blue-black and you're yeah. really like limiting yourself to just playing blue-black instead of like going into like Castor Jalava, you really need a good reason, and generally that reason is because you have a Scepter outlet in the command zone, right? I think anything other than that is getting a bit iffy. Okay. Do you think Do you think this will see any play? Besides, I mean, you guys are talking about it in Hulk, but it, I don't know, it doesn't seem super necessary, or it doesn't seem to provide too, too much, at least not yet, nothing super obvious. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to see play anywhere else. No, you seem to have an idea before we started. Was there? A... Yeah, I think the one kind of nice interaction that you get is um, you kind of have a convenient way around some grave hate, right? Like you can effectively, you know, it, it can become a lab ma- lab maniac for you through a graph digger's cage. Um, I also like the idea that. Um, it can be this sack outlet as long as you have a creature in your graveyard that self-sacrifices. And with the survey, you can dump your grave as well. So it's an interesting commander um, from that point of view. But I think its weaknesses are pretty clear, and it is definitely not best in your commander. Because you're really looking at infinite mana, which is just way better with Una. Yeah, so I think we got a pretty good cover on Lazav. <laughs> what it looks like on, on yeah. Lazav. I mean, maybe, probably... maybe, maybe we'll see. Somebody, somebody will yeah. break it. New card will printed. He'll just become the most insane thing ever. But, took uh, I, I took think it's, some it's random good. guys. The posting this new Hulk pile before you know all the dedicated oh, yeah, Hulk players figured out. A, Dude, a someone's gonna crack thing. Lazav wide open. <laughs> oh, it's just gonna, oh, it's gonna get right broken. I mean, I've. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll reserve judgment until we man. see, Fast but I I don't I don't have super high hopes for uh, how he's looking right now. Okay, um, next one we've got Thief of Sanity. Uh, I can give this one a read. It's uh, for one a blue and a black. Uh, Thief of Sanity is a creature a specter with flying. Um, he's a two-two. Whenever Thief of Sanity deals combat damage to a player. Look at the top three cards of that player's library. Exile one of them face down, then put the rest into their graveyard. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it and cast it, and you may ca- spend mana as always any type of mana to 
to cast that spell. So, yeah, probably at 3 CMC, this kind of effect is too much. I mean, you've got... In, in, in similar cards would probably be Thata Adele in the sense that it's an evasive card that kind of, you know, does that that exile effect, removes a card from their deck, and it's kind of like a pseudo draw. Um, but then, you know, you also have Yuriko for just blue and a black as a creature that does something, draws you a card and also domes people if, you, if you're putting something like a Force of Will or Ad Nauseam, or even just, even just putting like a two CMC spell, that, that incidental damage does add up. And it's, you know... Yuriko isn't nothing, and that's not really seen playing a lot of decks outside of the dedicated deck, so probably not going to see much play. Anyone else want to weigh in? I think it, like, you know, there's always the dream of, oh, you hit them, and then it's, oh, look, Chain Bill's in the top three cards, and it's exiled face down, and then they lose. But I I don't think that's a realistic uh, dream, and I think that a three-mana card that is blue and black, which means, you know, it's not even easy to cast on two necessarily off like a dork um, in in a four color deck type idea, um, you know. And then you have to attack with it, which means if somebody has a tutor, you know, it's easy to play around. I think it's just a little bit too slow and takes too long to be relevant. Mm. Yeah, I think these this is sort of comes from a long, long line of bad bobs, right? Like just yeah. Try trying to recapture the same power, but just not quite there, and like it's just the three mana sort of kills it. I I like this would be really good if it was two mana. If you could slide yeah. it down and turn two when tapping out is still semi safe, but when you when you're getting up to three mana, it just gets way too dangerous to tap out for a card that's not like giving you something immediately, right? Yeah, it is better than Night Vale Spectre though. I think if if it were if it were just black. Yeah, it definitely is. If it were just black, it could fit into some like decent non-blue decks. It, it could, it could yeah, I mean, like it, it, sure. pretty much every like non-blue but deck is hurting for deck. card advantage, right? Like you, yeah. I can see this. Okay, like some of those decks. That's all yeah. there is to be said about Thief of Sanity. Uh, moving on to quite the an effect that that people might might glance over if they're not you know CDH players. Uh, Torch Courier for uh, a single red mana. He's a creature goblin with haste. And he has an ability, Sacrifice Torch Courier. Another target creature gains haste until end of turn. So 1-1. One, one. So, hmm. Where where might this card have some uh, application? So this guy is what some Hulk piles have actually been looking for for a long time. Um, there, there are some Hulk decks running around that have been uh, sort of floating around for a while now that uh, haven't been the best, but they've been variations on sort of like the lightning druid shell where like the whole point is they're playing like sort of this breakfast style deck but you don't run any of the breakfast pieces and instead you just run hermit druid and then you when you hulk you find hermit druid in some way to give it haste and then you just activate it as your hulk pile so that you get to cut out all of like the dead breakfast stuff and you don't have to play white you can play red instead um, so what are our current the current haste enablers have been in, in creatures for these hulk piles have been uh, yeah, there's Mogus's Marauder in black, and that's three CMC. And then there's another. There's for one for one in a red, I believe, with Soul Bond. Right? Yeah, Lightning. Yeah, Muller. Lightning Muller. Mm. Yeah. So this is this is actually a strict upgrade on uh, Lightning Muller, um, where you can now give a creature haste for a single mana in your nice. mana pool. So that leaves you five more mana, 
worth of creatures to fit into a Hulk pile, which is actually pretty efficient. Um, so this this opens up doors and like you can now do like a Druid combo, like Vizier Druid combo to make infinite green mana, and that still leaves you a one CMC slot. Um, you can give Hermit Druid haste, and you still have three mana worth of creatures that you can fit into that pile, which is pretty nice. Yeah, um, yeah. He just he just opens up a lot of like sort of uh, deck specific Hulk piles where like maybe you want to minimize your dead cards and use stuff that you're already using as combo pieces, and you just need to give something haste to make a bunch of mana. Mm. Okay, well. Hulk piles is pretty is a pretty good is a pretty good use, but outside of that, I can't see yeah. too many other uses. But dude, that's all you need. Hey so man, staple, <laughs> staple in popper goblins, calling it right yeah. now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, up next, we've got Doom Whisper. Uh, sick. You want to give someone a read? Sure. Uh, Doom Whisper. Three black black creature nightmare demon. It has flying trample and pay to life surveil two. It also happens to be a six six for five with flying, which is pretty good. <laughs> not not bad, not bad stats. <laughs> that's a that's a big old beater boy if I've ever seen one. Yeah, flample too. Oof, no, <laughs> there's no block, there's no block in that one. True combo. You know, I'm just surprised there's no death touch. <laughs> so this is no. this is basically Gristlebrand, right? Oh yeah, effectively, right? You just yeah, <laughs> just pay a bunch of life, put a bunch of cards in your graveyard. Yeah. See, instead of you don't have to go through the all the steps of you know like drawing the cards and then casting them you can just put them directly into your grave so yeah i think i think one of the main problems with this one is it's five cmc for this oh, effect yeah. and also you can't actually get too far down into your deck right if you've taken any amount of damage you're surveilling like you're not drawing cards you're putting them in the bin so you definitely need it's not a it's not a one card combo on its own like Gristlebrand is essentially. It's not it's not an ad nauseum, but it's uh you know you need something else. So people have talked about this maybe in uh, in Gitrog where you know if you've got Gitrog in play and you're surveilling, you're drawing cards. So while it's true that if you've got Gitrog in play and Doom Whisperer, there's a pretty good chance you can dig to a tutor or actually Dakmore and then you can stack your hand to go for like a cleanup kill. But what you're looking at is you're looking at Gitrog already being in play and then casting a 5-CMC creature card. And then to only sometimes get there because you'll need to have additional mana to cast your tutors. So I think you're looking at the probably the best case scenario is in a Gitrog deck, and it's just not going to fit there. So I can't see this seeing any play. There's been talk, but mm, I don't think so. I mean, people have also talked a bit about it in Muldrotha, the you know five odd players who actually play that uh, <laughs> or working on that competitively and again the five mana slot is really awkward because I don't it, you know if you're trying to do something like Entomb Reanimate I don't think it's better than either of Nezahal or Jingataxius or Razaketh in most scenarios um, and casting it is just a little bit too slow um you know, in Muldrotha, again, because it's not a deck that cheats things from the graveyard, it casts them. The amount of mana you need to make this useful um, sort of precludes it from seeing use. For reference, the only 5-drop creature that uh, my list at least runs now is Sidisi. And uh, if you have a Sidisi, if you cast a Sidisi from your hand, you can win for one additional mana. And this card, you can bin a bunch of cards and pray. So, 
no comparison there. Yeah, I think mm. the the five CMC is really what kills this one, right? I mean, like I've I've also seen people like talking about it for like the mid range slot in Blood Pod, the infamous mid range slot. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, you're just you're spending so much mana on an effect that's really not worth the time or effort. <laughs> You'd be there's so many better cards than this. Play this and get rock for probably two mana. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Two minute, two minute flample six six. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, even without the stats, just as just as a one one. Yeah, that effect, that effect is probably it's probably something I'd see I'd, I'd see play for lower CMC. But at five, that's just such a high investment for something yeah. that you know is a medium impact. Um, so next card we've got bounty agents. Um, Spleen, give this one a read, please. All right. Uh, so bounty agent is a one, it's one and a white for a creature human soldier, uh, and it is a 2-2. Two, two. It has Vigilance, and it has Tap, sac, ba- Sacrifice, Bounty Agent, Destroy, Target, Legendary, Permanent. That's an artifact, creature, or enchantment. I think this is pretty short uh, <laughs> discussion for this. Just, like, slow, bad Doomblade in white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems about right. You're just sort of hoping that your two two sticks around and hits a commander. I mean, you're like you're. I think the only place you're looking at this for is like in a meadow where the only deck that exists is Sisse, and you need a card <laughs> to kill Sisse. I feel like I'd rather be on on uh, Fiend Hunter or that new one from oh, yeah, Kaladesh. Like one of those. You just like where you've already exhausted all of your options. You, yeah. you're, you've already you're playing you're playing Path to Exile. You're playing Swords to Plowshares. You're playing your two mana <laughs> removal spells. Not you just, removal, you just man. need another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it seems like it only like if you look at the cards it actually hits the number of things where it's legendary. It stays in play. It's dangerous enough, dangerous enough that you really feel you have to remove it, but not so dangerous that you lose when it lands. Is a and it isn't a land or a planeswalker is a pretty short list. Yeah, the chain veil. <laughs> also, but, it's, no, it's, but you it's lose when tragic. that one lands, right? Like almost every time. So. No, well, you have an opportunity to respond. But but I mean, like, yeah, I guess if you have this out, then sure. But you know, as yeah. a response to look for. Like if you think of it in like a green white deck or something where yeah. you can tutor creatures easily, but maybe not instants and sorceries, but That's yeah. like and even then, like you already have access to you have like your nature's claim, you got your you got like path to exile and swords, you got uh beast within. Well even as access. it's just a creature package, I'd I'd much rather just have a costed caterpillar and like a fiend oh, yeah. hunter. Right? Like if I'm trying to remove creatures and uh enchantments and artifacts on a creature tutorable stick, like that, I think those those two cards are just generically more useful than Bounty Agent because you don't need to wait a turn. I mean, you could be vindictive, tutor it, cast it, and then next turn kill yeah, the Genius Axis after yeah. discarding your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think I think that's pretty much. The yeah, all, that, all that needs to be said about Bounty Agent. Um, up next, we've got Beast Whisperer. Noel, how about uh, you? Want to read this one? Sure. Yeah, I'll go for this one. Uh, so Beast Whisperer, two green-green for a creature, Elf Druid. Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card, and it's a 2-3. Okay, so sick. This seems like it would be something that might fit into um, maybe like Momir. Is this something Momir wants? You've done a lot of work Yeah, so I got that. that so. I've been getting that question a lot recently. Um, 
Uh, and like the, I think it's the same thing for Yisan. Uh, I'm not going to speak for Yisan right now, uh, but for Momir, it's uh, the argument is that it is it can fill the same slot as Vizier of the Menagerie, uh, where it's a hack on a stick. It's four mana. It's an elf, so you can tap it to Heritage Druid. So like a, it's sort of better than Vizier in that one way. Uh, but honestly. We don't really want it, and it's because of pretty much one thing, and that one thing is that Beast Whisperer doesn't start the combo by itself. Um, mm. If you cast Beast Whisperer with a Momer on the board, you get the tutor the creature to the top of your library, but you don't actually get access to it. You have to cast another creature and then draw it, where with Vizier, Vizier starts its own chain, where you can just cast it, tutor something to the top, and immediately start casting off the top so, of the library. So maybe if this also had Elvish Visionary stapled to it, yeah, it'd if, make if, the cut. If it, if it drew a card on ETB or if it drew off of itself coming in, I think it's a pretty straightforward slot in over uh, Vizier just because it's an elf and it gets around Grafdigger's Cage. So great, great on that front, cool. But um, yeah, as is, I just don't think it's worth the slot in. Um, people could say, I've, I've heard people say like, oh, like what if you want two of the effect? But like, honestly, it's... The point of Vizier is that you just have access to it all the time anyway, because it's a creature and your commander tutors creatures. So, like, there's no reason to have two of that effect, right? You just only need the one. Um, I'll speak to this about ESN. I don't think this makes the cut for. I know some some uh, lots of lists are on like a kind of uh, looking for like a mid rangey, you know, grind kind of creature to, to get card advantage and whatnot. You've got, you've seen Oracle of Moldia, um, Runic Armasaur more recently. Uh, tireless tracker and frankly i don't think this beats any of those maybe oracle of moldaya but um you know tireless tracker i've actually seen do a lot of work that the fact that it grows and becomes such a, a big beater is quite relevant um also if you're just you know find jamming a fetch or something getting those two uh those two clues it's it's a lot it's it's going to be a lot clean because sometimes you just want to say, uh, sandbag your creatures in hand if you've got um, if you're worried about a board wipe trying to play around that, and then also Runic Armasaur is just I think it's just much better than than Beast Whisperer in that people are going to be instantly getting these uh, these effects going. You're going to be drawing cards. It's also a two five and for three CMC. So I don't think Beast Whisperer makes the cut, but there was some discussion of that going on with on the Ascent server. Yeah, I think I think okay. there's no other real spot for this unless y'all can think of something that's pretty mm -hmm. much it okay oh. i think it came up with some of the the animar decks that um kind of also run glimpse of nature but i believe like the better animar decks are moving away from glimpse anyways it, it is okay. it, but it did come sure. it, as a yeah. as a tutorable tutorable okay um so the next one we've got uh, Night of Autumn for one and for one a green and a white uh, creature Dryad Knight. For it's a two one body, and when Night of Autumn enters the battlefield, choose one. You've got three effects. First one being put two plus one plus one counters on Night of Autumn. Second being destroy target artifact or enchantment, and the third being you gain four life. So pretty much the most relevant effect here is destroy target artifact or enchantment. Meaning it's kind of like a Rex Age with additional abilities. Um, do you guys have any 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 comments on this one? Does this really replace Rex Age? Um, I think it's like uh, so. First of all, you're looking at the list of decks that run Rex Age, which is already pretty small. Um, you're looking at like 
just like low color decks. So you're looking at like Eason, maybe Rashmi, like not even like maybe Momi or Vig, right? And none of those yeah. can run it because of the white cost. Uh, and then you're looking at so probably past that, like Muldrotha runs Rexage. It's white, can't run it there. So like you're looking at like the list of white green decks that run Rexage, which is super short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even then, uh, so we have to we have to weigh the vulnerability to Blood Moon of this card versus the upsides that it brings, right? It's also um, non-elf. So yeah, you're not, that's... yeah, it's also non-elf, which is huge. Um, yeah, and then if you weigh the upsides, so uh, it's so if we compare it, base rate is the same as Rexage uh, for most intents and purposes. But you're trading off increased vulnerability to Blood Moon for either having the option to make it a 4-3 or gain 4 life. And those are p- both pretty inconsequential things in mm-hmm. CDH. Like, the life isn't going to matter. And having a big beer is only really relevant when you want to be blocking Timna. And it's already a 2-1, so it trades with Timna. So it's yeah. just... A lot of the time, it's just not going to end up being worth it. Uh, the, the extra mana cost really sort of kills it. Also, I'm. I, I think, you know, if you think about it, like blocking a Timna. I don't know if if I had a Reclamation Sage in my hand, playing it, you know, like I feel like playing it without a clear target in mind is almost always wrong. Like you'd yeah. rather just have it in your hand, and I don't think making it a four three changes that calculus. I think if this is in my hand, it's going to stay in my hand until I'm destroying an artifact or enchantment. In which case, why isn't it Rex Sage? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And our final card we're going to cover is Underrealm Lich, which is uh, three, a black, and a green. It's a creature, zombie elf shaman. And if you would draw a card, instead look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. It also has pay for life. Underrealm Lich gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. And it's a four three. Now, I think I'm. Pretty confident in that the only place this was discussed was uh, for Gitrog, because it is alone a uh, kind of like Dakmore stapled to a uh, discard outlet if you get it out with Gitrog and you get a draw trigger on the stack, because then you're looking at the top three, you're going to put a land into the bin, hopefully, and then uh, generate another draw trigger to keep this chain going until eventually you hit Dakmore um, and a discard outlet because you're getting to put cards into your hand. And I think I kind of talked about this with Doom Whisper in that five CMC is just too much for something that really only has good utility with Gitrog in play. You know, you're you're this would be an effect I would love to see at lower CMC, but even though it's it's this, you know, pseudo Dakmore staple to pseudo discard outlet, um, at five CMC that's not really where you want to be, right? Um you can look at something comparable whereas like gerard's orders so that's uh two a green and a black search your library for two creature cards put one into the bin one into your hand that lets you pseudo tutor that lets you tutor dakmore a pseudo dakmore and a discard outlet so you get to find putrid imp and golgari grave troll Uh, and then so long as you have uh something to just uh you know get the chain rolling you can use your golgari grave troll to do a dredge tutor technique to find your dakmore and that is something you don't actually need. So that's like five CMC total there. And I think that's something I'd rather play than Underrealm Lich. And currently Gerard's orders does not see play in fully competitive Gitrog. So I think that's 
all that needs to be said on that front. Yeah, T- TLDR, it's too fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, casual though, this would be, or, or high power, or whatever, you know, this would be a super cool card to jam it to get rug. But yeah, just not, it's too expensive to make a splash. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think that wraps up this topic, and we're going to move on to our final topic, which is listener questions. Uh, And so this week we have a question from uh, user ZWells3. Sick, do you want to give this question a read? Sure. Um, So ZWells is asking about... uh, the card Plunge Into Darkness, um, which is a card that sees play in stuff like Paradox after Thrasios, um, some Doomsday lists, uh, just a lot of blue-black X stuff that's running things like uh, Dramatic Reversal Scepter and like Bomberman, uh, like maybe Consult Labman, stuff like that. Um, uh, and she's playing his, in food chain Tazer. I don't know if you mentioned yeah, the, the yeah, food, food chain, chain Tazer as well. Just stuff that doesn't really care about uh, too many things getting exiled. Uh, his question is: It can be a bit unclear how much life to pay into Plunge and Darkness because it it gives you an option to pay life to turn into cards. So how do you figure out how much life to pay into Plunge and Darkness in what points in the game? This is a pretty so something that that. Is is not necessarily intuitive when you first start playing with the with plunge, right? Do you go do you go all the way and you pay down to one life, look at as many cards as possible, or do you try to play more conservatively? Because you know, what if you find a tutor and then you don't have to risk exiling cards? Um, personally, I think you just need to look at the deck construction. You know, this isn't this isn't going into every single deck that runs tainted pact, or this isn't something that people are just generically running as. Um, you know, uh, let's say a, maybe a slightly better impulse, right? That you can very see more cards because many decks are reliant on multiple pieces. So, you know, it's it, it's certainly the decks that are running this are meant to kind of abuse it. Um, you know, they're, they're meant to be able to pay more life so that you see more cards and, you know, you find the one piece you need and then you're golden, right? You get to have your... If you're, let's say, Tazri, right? All you need to do is find food chain, and so long as you don't exile one of your four, um, your four actual like ally outlet cards, you win the game, right? Because you get to find if you hit any of your exile creatures, then you can just cast them from exile, and then it's amazing. Yeah, it's like yeah, uh, plus it's it's a lot. It's pretty contextual, but I think yeah, the the general idea is that like. If you have Plunge into Darkness in your deck, you should be prepared to take advantage of seeing so many cards and being able to pick one out of like 30 or 35 even. Um, there, there, I think there definitely are times when you want to be conservative with it. Maybe you're only looking mm-hmm. for a protection spell. Uh, you already have your combo in hand and you just need to find something to protect it, a counterspell, a silence, something like that. Or maybe you're already on low life and you just need to find an answer to something. Uh, then you don't necessarily yeah, if need you're to trying to find a deep. If you're trying to find a counterspell and, you know, to someone's thing and you've only got mana for the counterspell, you don't want to hit your your food chain or whatever combo piece you're trying to find, right? Because you're just trying to find that answer. And if you see that food chain, you're going to be forced to take it. So, you know, that's that's definitely a time when you'd want to be more conservative. Um, but otherwise, I think it's it's pretty much the decks are built to go balls to the walls on that card if you're trying to win the game that turn. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. 
uh, anybody else have an opinion on it? No, I think that that pretty much covers it. I think there's one case that um, wasn't mentioned that kind of serves two functions in um, your food chain decks, right? It can exile your outlets, and it can also search for uh, a combo piece. Yeah. Just having, yeah, ha- having the ability to, like, even if you already have food chain in hand, go and dig deep to get and cast from exile creature into exile can be pretty powerful as well. Okay, so with that answered, we'll wrap it up. Uh, close out the podcast. So um, this is obviously our first uh, pilot episode, so we'd love to hear feedback on what people think. Um, we've got a Discord that we'll link uh, with the in, in the show notes of the podcast. So this is where we're going to go collect uh, listener questions from now on. So join the Discord, Discord if you just want to chat with us or chat with anyone else in the community and then post your questions. Um, and I think that's about it, unless anyone wants to, uh, wants to add anything else. Yeah. Make sure to make sure to check out the subreddit, great subreddit, uh, check out the TH discord. You got a great team of mentors, great community. Um, if you're just getting into the game or if you're looking to play some more games, get a great rank set up for, uh, playing online with pocket trees. Make sure to check out play DH. Um, Got great setup there for playing games over webcam. Totally proxy friendly. Great for that. They got great mod team over there as well. Good community. Um, yeah. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and click that bell so you get notified when we have a new episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Check out the Patreon. Yada yada yada. Um, also, uh, please suggest any uh, future topics you want us to cover. Um, you know, just in the discord or, or the Reddit post or wherever you, uh, wherever you guys find this. And we'll try to uh, take that into account when we, uh, when we're working on our next episode, which uh, we should be released in a month from now. Okay. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.